Welcome to Evangel Church. Our mission is to bring people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com. You know, there are different seasons that come and go. And, you know, in this world and in this area, we have really four seasons, right? And we've just experienced the turning of one of those seasons. And it's the turning from fall into winter. And this is a season, the winter season, where things get cold, where things even can feel desolate, where it can feel like uh, the days are getting darker because they literally are. Uh, This will be the time of the year that we experience the most darkness of the year. And it's during this season that I'm so thankful that we come together and we celebrate that in the midst of any of that darkness, any of that bleakness and that coldness, that there is a light and there is a hope that we have. It's the hope of Christ. And uh, when I think about this time of the year, there is many things that usher in this time of the year for many. But uh, there's one that's a tradition with my entire family, and it involves a tree. Not the tree that we select and pick out, or maybe the tree that you go to a Christmas tree farm, or to the Sears parking lot, or to uh, some store and purchase a fake one. Please don't buy fake trees. I told my wife when we got married, I said, there's this one thing that we have to do, and it has to be a real tree. Uh, So there are many things that I've seceded on, but that's the one that I hold to. No, I'm I'm kidding. But but whenever it comes to to the kind of the Christmas tradition, a tree is something that many people have in their home. Let me see a show of hands. How many have the Christmas tree up yet? Oh, about half of you. All right, hurry up. It's coming. Christmas is almost here. Um, And the tree is a part of that. But there's one tree that we as a nation look to, right? Uh, And it's a tree that's not too far from here. It's a lot taller than any of the trees that we have in our home. It is the Rockefeller Center tree uh, that's right there in the heart of New York City. This tree has been going up since 1931. And here's a picture of the tree that went up first in 1931, uh, the very first tree that went up there, and that's why they were still constructing. Uh, you see some construction workers and some different people that are gathered around taking a look at that tree. Well, over the years, it's grown. Here's another picture from uh, history and how big it got uh, over the ice rink. And this year's tree is a staggering 94 feet tall. 94 feet tall, it's shining brightly, Um, and every year we see the special, or some of you travel into the city to see it in person when they light up that tree for the very first time, and this year I believe it was on November 30th, and if you remember what that night was like, just a few nights ago it was very cold, very dreary. Um, It was not a time where I wanted to be out, uh, but there are people that gathered together. They were singing, they were dancing, they were excited, and they all counted down so that this tree could be lit. Now, when this tree is lit and when people come to visit, it is estimated that 800,000 people a day, a day go and see this tree. Millions and millions of people will see the tree before it ultimately goes down. Um, and, And one of the things that's interesting I just found out is that for the last 10 years, they've been taking this tree and after it comes down in the beginning of January, it's actually donated to Habitat for Humanity, someone who we partnered with in serving the community here uh, locally. It goes and the the lumber is used to build homes for those in need. Um, But this tree, as it is lit up, people come from all over the world to see it. 
And does she shine brightly or what? Uh, this tree is lit with 30,000 Christmas lights. How many of you would like that energy bill uh, at your house? 30,000 lights. If you were to take the lights off the tree and you were to hold them and lay them out in a strand, it would be five miles of lighting. Five miles of lighting that lights up this tree. And people come from all over to see this tree. And they get excited and, and they celebrate. And for some, Christmas hasn't happened. It's not, it's not the Christmas season if I haven't gone and seen the tree all lit up and all the celebration that's taking place around it. Well, there was one year in particular that if you go back through history of this tree being uh, up and lit, that there was actually one year that the tree was dark. And it was during a dark season that we were going through as a nation. It was during a difficult time where there wasn't any light. It was in 1944, while we were in the middle of World War II, that the tree wasn't able to be lit. And as the tree wasn't lit, it was almost symbolic of what was going on in the world, that there was darkness and we were going through a season as, a, as, as a, not just a nation, but as a people all around the world where we were engaged in something where we saw a lot of darkness, a lot of despair, a lot of difficulty, even a lot of death. And there are those kinds of seasons that will happen in life when, when you wonder, as many people did during that time, will we ever get over this? Will things ever get better? Will the world ever change and, and be any better than it is right now? There become times where we can go through circumstances that are so challenging, seasons that are so dark that we wonder, can it ever get better? And today, maybe you're in the midst of one of those seasons. As I've been praying over this message in particular, I feel burdened because I know this message is one that there are a lot of people out in the world that need to see this message. They need to see and understand that Jesus is our light. He is the light of the world. And no matter how dark the world around us becomes, he's there shining, giving us hope and giving us a future. But I've been burdened that there are some that are here and you're in the house today in first service and in second, that you're walking through something that feels so dark. You know, you know Christ, you love him, but it feels so dark and it feels so hopeless. You don't know that you can ever really see the other side of it. And I believe this word is for you as well. I believe that God wants to speak a word to you and he wants to shine his light into whatever it is that you're walking through, into whatever it is that you might find yourself in, because he's ready to light the way. He's going to activate something today to bring you through and show you he's leading you to the other side. Amen? Amen. So when we go here, I want to, I want to invite you to come with me to uh, Genesis chapter 1. If you have your Bible, you can open up with me. In Genesis chapter 1, this is the very beginning, the first words that we have in the Bible. And it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It goes on in verse 2 to say this. It says, now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. I hadn't ever seen this before, but there's something that really stands out to me. That as the earth was formless and empty, and the, the word here in the Hebrew, it actually rhymes. It's vohu tabohu, which literally is like a rhyme because this part of Genesis is poetic. It has, it's written in such a way that it's poetry in, in Hebrew. And tohu fabohu means formless and void, without any substance, and almost uh, as if it was the word for chaos. It was just chaotic. There's no substance to it. It's just darkness everywhere. 
And when we think about darkness, I think oftentimes we think about an absence of God. God is very far away. But what does it say here in verse 2? It says that there was darkness everywhere, all around, over the surface of the deep, but the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And here's something that we need to remember, that the presence of darkness does not equal the absence of his presence in your life. That just because you might be walking through something, maybe you're experiencing a season of darkness, a season of trial, a season of difficulty, that doesn't mean that God has forgotten you, and it doesn't mean that he's abandoned you. But in the midst of that, God can do something so amazing. Look what it says in verse 3. It says this, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from darkness. Do you realize this? That God wasn't far from the, what was formless, void, and dark. And he spoke one word and changed everything. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that is the same yesterday. He was the same at the beginning, and he will be the same God at the end. He is the God who is perfect in all of his ways. He's the God who has moved mountains because he created them. He's the God who heals sick bodies because he created them and spoke them into existence. He's the same God that said, let there be light, and light pierced the darkness. I want you to know, it doesn't matter how dark you may feel the circumstances you're walking through are, do you realize that you're just one word from God away from light? You're one word from God away from everything changing and being turned around. He's done it before, and he can do it again. Light is something that we see in the Bible and in life. It, it, it carries a symbolic power to it. You know, light has normally been likened to what is good and what is right. But ultimately, light has normally been a symbol for hope, for rescue. Uh, light has been used in many of those very ways. If you were trapped somewhere in utter darkness, you would look for what? You'd look for light and then you'd walk towards it. Because you know that where there is light, help isn't far from there. If you're lost at sea and you're being batted back and forth by the waves, it'd be the presence of a light piercing the night for you to know that you're not far from shore. Light becomes something that can navigate us, that can help us be oriented and walk in the way that we would need to walk. See, the Bible uses light in many different ways, and we see how God uses light in that same way as well. If you look in Exodus chapter 13, you're going to see a story there where God has rescued the children of Israel out of Egypt. He's leading them um, through the, the Pharaoh's armies. He's leading them through uh, more circumstances than they could ever imagine. He's rescuing them from death. He's rescuing them from slavery and he brings them through the Red Sea even and he brings them into the wilderness to a place that he's preparing for them but before they could get there there was a season it was a season that was called a wilderness experience and during that wilderness experience whenever the light from the sun was extinguished every single day and they found themselves in the midst of dark night they didn't have the comforts of the city that they found themselves in. They didn't have the population of Egypt and all the homes with candles and lanterns burning. When they were out in the wilderness and it was dark, it was dark. Have you ever been in a place where you're away from the ambient light and you're away from all of the light of a city and you're just in the middle of the wilderness? And you look up, and when it gets dark there, it's dark. Come on, somebody. Uh, you can see the, the sky so clearly. You can see the stars in the sky. But if there isn't any light, it is dark. 
a darkness that some people may not have experienced before. And this is what the children of Israel experienced. They experienced darkness like they had never seen before. It's a darkness that really they didn't leave with all their things. They, some of them left with just what they could carry with them. They didn't have light. And as they were looking, the, one of the first things God did was he established a way for their way to be lit. Look what it says in Exodus chapter 13, verses 21 and 22. It says, By day the Lord went ahead of them with a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or by night. In verse 22, Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night ever left its place in front of the people. God went before them as a cloud by day and as a pillar of fire to provide them with what? Light. He was to be their light, to guide them and to lead them so that they wouldn't walk in the night and stumble in the darkness. And I want you to know God hasn't stopped doing what he's always done. And today, if you feel like you're stumbling through life, through circumstances, and even through darkness, he is there as the light to lead and guide you. You see, the people, they knew that. They experienced that. And for a short period of time, it was everything to them. But before long, the people weren't paying attention to the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire. Before long, the people could only see their circumstances. They could only see their, tri- their trials. They could not hear the voice of God because they he- could only hear the rumbling of their own stomachs as they grew hungry. They-, they couldn't see past their challenges and their difficulties, and they got their eyes off God. And I want you to know the same thing can happen to you and I. There can become times where God is out in front of us looking to shine light and looking to lead us and looking to navigate us through whatever it is we're walking through. But if our eyes get so caught up on the circumstances and the trials and the difficulties and all the things that are being thrown at us, it can be so easy for us to get lost and feel like we're just stuck in darkness. You see, there are difficult times that we'll walk through. Jesus said we will find trouble in this world. But he said we could take heart because we can overcome it just as he overcame it. He'll lead us through it. And if he has allowed us to get to it, he will bring us through it. But some of us today, we're trapped in darkness. I'm not talking about a darkness that's sin. I'm talking about a darkness that is despair, a darkness that is depression, a darkness that is all-encompassing around you, a darkness that is there. And for you, you can't see beyond your circumstances. You can't see where God is and how he's working. You can't see anything redeemable about what it is that maybe you're walking through and what the trial is that you're facing. But I want you to know today God's word is true, and he has hope for you, and he has a light that can shine into the deepest darkness to lead you out of it. Here's what it says in John chapter 11, verse 10. He says this, But anyone who walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. If you and I, we walk in the darkness for too long, we're going to get hurt. Um, I've learned this because I put my children to bed and I normally shut out the lights. And I now have children that put toys in places that we never had toys before. And so I step on all kinds of things. I stepped on Lily's little tea set that she had yesterday. And uh, that was uh, scary. I I thought I would break it. And I'm thankful that I didn't. But it's easy to get tripped up when you're walking in darkness. Uh, I was putting Josiah to bed last evening. And, you know, I'm just Mandy and I, you know, are just kicking all kinds of things around uh, because they're there in the darkness. And we may think we know where we're going, but we fool ourselves when we walk in darkness. You and I, we weren't created to live in darkness. We weren't created. God created before he created us, he created light. And it was for a purpose because physically, physiologically, we can't 
thrive and really live the life that we have in darkness, isolated from light. For decades, there's been research that's shown this. And one of the times that I saw this illustrated really powerfully was a few years back. There was a movie that was made last fall called The 33. The movie was about these Chilean miners who were uh, trapped in a collapsed mine back in 2010. The movie just came out recently. And this movie, um, it really speaks of all that they went through and the difficulties and the trials. I remember back in 2010 uh, looking at some news articles and what they were most concerned about for these miners was not just that, and this is a picture of them, was not just that they didn't have access to food and water and air. They weren't just worried about those things. They began to worry about their health because they were in complete and utter darkness. Now, they were able to open up a hole and they were able to lower down to them the food that they needed and even the water. And so they had those supplies. But doctors and medical professionals said, we still need to work quickly and we still need to realize that there's a very real risk that we're taking the longer they live in that darkness. It has an effect on them. It has an effect on their emotions. It has an effect on them. They become depressed, anxious. All kinds of things are happening to them in that darkness. And I saw so powerfully and so vividly the effects of darkness if you think about this story. That you and I, the longer we find ourselves in darkness and in dark places, if we're there and we're just living there, um, it's going to have no benefit to us. And for some of you, maybe you've been camped out in a dark place and you find yourself there. And you haven't been out of there for a long time and it's affecting you. The same way that physically we can't thrive spiritually and in our relationship with God, our own well-being, we can't thrive in darkness. In fact, if you were to watch any of those nature documentaries and you were to see as they could take a camera down into the depths of the ocean and get to the darkest places, when they shine light on something that is living there, it is normally ugly. Uh, it is normally scary. Uh, there are things that are growing in the darkest places of this world that I do not want to run into. Um, but the same is true in our hearts and in our lives. You need to know that there are things that are growing in dark places if we allow them that are ugly and we want nothing to do with them. But we need to be so careful because they thrive in the darkness, but we were created for the light. We're the children of God. We've been rescued from the kingdom of darkness. Come on, somebody. We've been brought into the kingdom of his beloved son. But if we go back to that place and we're there, and we're not allowing the Lord to shine light into there to rescue us, we could find ourselves in a difficult place. But I said to you before, and I'll say it again, God isn't far from that darkness if you find yourself there. In fact, he could lead you to a better place. He can do something in you and redeem that place in that time, and he can strengthen you, make you better, make you able. I was watching uh, one of those documentaries that I was telling you about, and I saw this uh, beautiful picture of what happens in the dense forests where no light can get through the treetops. And as seedlings are being planted, um, they're trying to grow, but they need what? Light to grow. But there are certain kinds of vines and there are certain kinds of plants that if they can just get a little glimmer of that light, they can begin to reach and move towards it. I want you to watch this video clip here if we can cue that up. And I want you to see just what it looks like. So there's this vine that's down deep, many, many feet on the ground surface but as a little bit of light begins to shine and this is a time-lapse video it begins to grow and this vine is growing and stretching you know where it's stretching towards it's stretching towards light 
and as soon as it can find and take hold, it's going to continue to do it. It reaches everywhere it can. It moves up. And you can never see it if you're just watching it in real time, but as you watch it time-lapse, this is what's really happening with this vine. Isn't that weird? It's amazing. But when it finally can reach the top of the tree, it can blossom. But it received all its strength, all its nourishment, everything it needed in a dark place. I think the same is true of you and I, that it's in those dark places God can redeem that God could be at work. I was talking with Pastor Marsha between services, and we were talking about even photography, film. Some of you know that film isn't developed inside of your phone. You know that, right? Uh, back before, film was developed in a very dark place, and that's what brought it out, and then it was activated in light. It's in dark places that God can redeem, that he can strengthen, that he can do something. That's why we can truly say with confidence, God works all things together for good the good times and the difficult times, the trials that you're walking through. And in the midst of that, he could lead you to the top of it. And as he leads you through it, as you keep yourself pointed, stretching, reaching for him, reaching for the light of the world, you get to the end and you will blossom in something beautiful that you could have never imagined will be the fruit of all that God has allowed you to walk through. Amen? That's for someone today. That's for someone here, I believe. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, it says, those people who walk in darkness they will see a great light. And those who have lived in a dark land, a light will shine on them. This is a prophecy about Christmas. This is a prophecy about Jesus coming. Isaiah, the prophet, says this, and this is what the Lord's speaking through him. Those who were living in darkness and people were wondering, is life ever going to change? Is anything going to ever get better? Is there ever going to be a hope? We want hope again. And he said, those who are just living in darkness without hope, they're going to see a great light. And those who live in a dark land, a light is going to shine on them. And he's talking about the true light of the world, Jesus. The one that John chapter 1 verses 9 and 10 says this, that there is and there was a true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. And the, he was in the world, and the world was made through him. The world did not know him or even recognize him. When Jesus came, when he was born, he came as the light of the world. That's one of the names, one of the titles for Jesus. And he came as a light to shine into the darkness, to show us the way home, to show us the way to the Father, to give us hope in a future, to show us that we could be rescued, that our lives don't have to end without hope and in despair, but instead we could take hold of him. You see, during that Jesus' ministry, he invaded a couple festivals that normally people wouldn't speak out at, but Jesus decided to speak up. And we find two of those instances in John's Gospels, chapter 7 and chapter 8. I talked to you a few weeks back um, during our Overflow series about one of the festivals, the feast that Jesus interrupts as they're in the middle of dumping out a big basin full of water. And they're wondering, um, will they ever experience that living water that God's word promises? Jesus spoke up and he said, if anyone's thirsty, come to me. Well, the same thing happens in John chapter 8 at a feast as well, that on another night of a feast, Jesus is there, and during this feast, a part of what they would do is they would light a giant lantern, a lamp, and they would put it in the temple courts. And as they had the lamp there lit up in the temple courts, it would be signifying the hope that the people had back when God led them by a pillar of fire. And so at night, they would light up this lantern. They'd be reminded that God's presence is still able to do the same thing, that he could still shine light into the darkness that they're experiencing in this life. 
And so they would, get, they would get excited. They would celebrate. They would come from all over to this fe- feast, and they would say, yes, we have light now, and they would celebrate that light, and they would dance around it, and they would sing. It was a festival. It was fun, and people enjoyed themselves. What was there at that feast, at that time, that Jesus shows up, and in the midst of all of this, he speaks out, and do you know what he says to the people? In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus spoke again to the people, and he said this, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but he will have the light that leads to life. I'm going to invite Pastor Rick to come forward at this time with the worship team. And this is what Jesus promised to his followers. He said, anyone who follows me, anyone who comes to me, you're not going to walk in darkness anymore. You're going to have a light that leads to life. When I think about this, think about a festival, think about a time in a season when people from all over will come together because there's a giant lit up lamp, a giant radiating light that's put in place and people sing and they dance and they find hope in that. I think about what's happening even now in the middle of New York City, that there's a giant tree that's lit up with five miles of light, literally that shines brightly in the night and people from all over come and when they light that tree, they're singing and there's dancing and people are finding hope and, and, and being excited and happy about that. But you know what? In the, in the end of the day, that's not the right light and the best light to be looking to. We can look to that and we can find warm and fuzzy feelings, but it will only come through looking to the light of the world that we can find hope for our souls. And I think sometimes we get so swept up in the season, whether it's getting lost in the busyness of a season like this that we take our eyes off of the challenges that we're walking through or we get caught up in the challenges of a season that we take our eyes off the Lord who's looking to lead us and to shine light into that dark place. Wherever it is we find ourselves, the Lord's desire is to shine light and to be the light of the world in our lives and for us. You know, I think about this idea of him shining and shining into our lives. I'm reminded of a, an experience I had whenever I was a kid growing up. And the Bible says when I was a kid, I thought like a child and I acted like a child. And, I, and this is one of those kind of stories where uh, that is yes and amen. Whenever we, we were kids, we had a clubhouse that we began to build. And I was somewhere around 11 years old. And as I was building this clubhouse with four or five of my, my closest friends, we wanted to do everything we could to make it the best we could. We didn't have a lot of money. And so uh, we struck a deal with a guy that owned a paint store up the street who collected toys. And we had toys. We had toys were our currency in that day. And uh, not only would we trade toys with one another, we were able to trade toys with the owner of this paint store. And as we traded toys with him in comic books, he would give them a cash value and then let us get any of those items we needed to build our clubhouse. So we'd go up to the paint store, we would uh, strike up a deal for a few of our action figures, and we'd come back with paint and nails and hammers and anything we needed. So we built the club, we finished it, we even painted the outside camouflage. We thought we were so cool back then because we had camouflage on our club, no one could see it. But we had one problem, whenever it was nighttime, um, and we didn't want to just have our flashlights, we, we had no source of light inside of the clubhouse. Then we had a brilliant idea. One day we were up at the paint store and Crayola came out with this brand new paint. It was glow-in-the-dark paint. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen the glow-in-the-dark paint that Crayola came out with about 15 or 20 years ago, but, uh, but that paint 
was awesome. We had to have it, but it was the most expensive paint in the store. So my friend traded one of his limited edition comic books and a few other things, and we secured this glow-in-the-dark paint, and we thought we had arrived. We went back. We had worked so hard to get it. We painted the inside of our clubhouse, and we thought, now, when the night comes, the whole inside of the clubhouse is going to glow. It's going to be amazing. There was one issue that we didn't calculate, is that we had built the clubhouse so good that it was dark on the inside, and that paint was activated by light. (laughs) And so we got there that night, and nothing happened. And we were like, what is going on? And we couldn't figure it out. We're like, did he, did he rip us off? What's going on? Then we realized it on the paint can. It says, activated by light. So we'd hold out a flashlight on that one part, and we take it away, and it glow. We're like, we have made a terrible calculation because <laughs> the paint was already out of the can. There's nothing we could do about it. But we failed to recognize that that was no good unto itself. It could only find its value if it was activated by light. And the same is true for you and me as believers. It's one of the lessons maybe the Lord taught me uh, is that you and I, we, it's like we bear that glow-in-the-dark paint, but you and I, we're only activated. We can only shine and glow in the night if we've been in the presence of the true light. And it's only if we're in his presence, it's only if we're taking in that light that we can be that light to anyone else. You can't do it in your own strength. We can't do it in and of ourselves. And I want you to know that God has more for you. Some of you, you're sitting in darkness right now, but he's made you to be a light. And so come to him. Look to him again. Stretch towards him. Grow just as that vine did. Grow to that place. And as you reach that light, you're going to see God do something in and through you that you could never experience before. Whenever someone's battling through difficult seasons, it's so easily to isolate ourselves. And during this season, maybe you feel like you're in a very isolated, a very alone place. But I want you to know that God is here today and that his presence wants to shine into the darkness of whatever it is that you're walking through. And he wants to guide you to a new place. And so I'm going to pray for you today. Will we all just stand to our feet? God has more for you than you could ever imagine. The Bible says in him is light, and that light is, that life is the light of men. He came to be a light in the darkness. Just to think about what happened to the children of, in the Exodus as they're going out into the wilderness. God was there to light the night for them. And I think about this time of the year that we'll drive up and down the street and the night will be lit up with light. But what if this year the greatest and brightest light that shined wouldn't be from any tree or any decoration on any home, but what if the body of Christ, believers like you and I, we shine so brightly that we could outshine even the tree in the middle of New York City because of the light of Christ that shined through us. That's God's heart. That's God's hope. That's God's desire for us to let our light shine. And that can only come from being in the presence of the true light of the world. God wants to use us. And this message today isn't just for us. It can't be contained here. It's one that's meant to go out. And as you shine, you're meant to tell others about him and lead others towards him this time of the year. I want to know, just to let you know, we have a few ways that we are at this time of the year have a prime opportunity to shine his light to others. One is going to be through the Christmas production that we're about to have uh, on the 18th. We have uh, the call of Christmas. It's going to be a powerful, moving uh, time where we're going to understand uh, just how God speaks in silent times and in difficult times and can bring hope to anyone this Christmas season. It's a great chance for you to open up uh, an invitation to someone that you know and invite them to come as we'll share the gospel during that time. And perhaps some would see the light of the world, Jesus, for the first time ever. 
for others and, and for everyone, we have our Christmas services that happen here at Evangel. And this year we are opening up more services than we've had in the past. Uh, last year we were at capacity on Christmas Eve. And so we're going to open up another service on the 24th. But we're going to have four service times for Christmas at Evangel. It's going to be on the 23rd, that Friday night at 7 o'clock p.m. We'll have a candlelight service. We're going to have two candlelight services on Christmas Eve at 6 and 8 o'clock p.m. And on Sunday morning, we're just going to have one service on Christmas morning at 11 o'clock a.m. Encourage you and your family to come to any of these services and also invite someone. We find that even more than Easter, people are so receptive to want to come to a Christmas service. And it's there that we're going to be able to share about Jesus, the true light of the world. And let's believe together for many people to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Amen? During those two weekends, we're believing for that. So today as you leave, we have some invitation cards for our Call of Christmas production. We want you to take those in stacks. I said stacks and hand those out. And next week, we're in beginning next week, we'll have some more cards for our Christmas services. But can you do this? Could you just invite people? Invite people that would come, extend an invitation, shine brightly for them. Can you do that, church? Amen? Amen. Praise God. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray especially for some of you. You've heard God's word today and you said, Pastor, I think this is for me. And I think that I'm in that place. I mean, no one else could see it. I, I kind of shine brightly and every, I'm happy. And I, but deep down, I'm, I'm going through something. I'm walking through a season where I just feel like I can't see the other side of it. I just believe that God wants to shine light into that right now. So as I pray, would you just open your heart to the Lord right now? Jesus, we come before you. And I thank you today, Lord God, that, Lord, that in the midst of whatever it is that we walk through, Lord God, in the darkest night, Lord, sometimes it gets darkest before the light then rises and shines brightest. And so, Lord, I pray right now for those that are walking through a season of difficulty, a season, Lord God, where they can't see the other side of it, they can't find hope in their circumstances, that, Lord, they would lift their eyes to you again. They would look past their circumstances. They would find hope in who you are and who you've called them to be. And I pray, Lord God, that as you bring them through this season, that you would shine light in every area of their lives and that, Lord, you would burst something beautiful on the other end of it. Lord, help them to keep their eyes on you. Help them to persevere and lead them through it, we pray in Jesus' name. Lord, make us a light, Lord God. Lord, activate in us, Lord God, through you shining into our lives, things that the whole world could see, Lord God. Help us to know that we can't do it apart from you. We can only do it from being in your presence, Lord God. So in you is light, Lord God. Shine that light brightly through us and in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.